Hello, I'm Alicia. And I'm Claire. And welcome to the ABC of Education. If it's got something to do with education, then we are probably talking about it. Every episode, we share our thoughts on various topics ranging from teaching, education news, basically the nitty gritty of the education system. Hello, everybody. So today's episode, we are really, really excited that we have um, a guest with us. So we've got Mandy Elliott with us from the Focus Academy. So Mandy, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's lovely to finally get to meet everybody. And um, I run a business based in Fleet, uh, and it's called the Focus Academy. Um, it came about as my daughter has an ADHD diagnosis, but I didn't really see that as enough information to warrant why she wasn't achieving school. So on this journey, I went looking for solutions to to, to figure out what was causing the ability for her to not be reaching her potential. Uh, we found some fabulous assessments and some training along the way. And um, here we are six years later. Um, my daughter was failing year seven uh, at about 22% across the board. And she got a GCSEs two years ago, uh, five Bs and three As also with diagnosis of dyscalculia and dyslexia as well as ADHD so mm. I think the it's just um, you know what I want to sort of um, pass on to yourselves and your listeners is that um, change is possible uh, but we just need to know about why yeah definitely so yeah. what kind of things did you notice um with your daughter so you said that she was struggling was there yeah. any other things that you noticed as well as that um that kind of led you down that line of kind of thinking as a parent what can I do to help well it basically all started at the age of eight when um her, her primary school basically said mm, we think there's something going on can you go and get a diagnosis so off we went diagnosis came back confirmed they said to us okay here's the medication we said fabulous thanks very much and that was it we went back to school and six months later nothing had changed mm. um so we've now got a diagnosis we've got it medicated but she's still struggling why and nobody could answer that for me so i was always talking to the teacher saying is it is it the, is the gap between what you're telling her and she's still missing is fact that we haven't got the medication right what's the medication supposed to do nobody could really give me the proper answers so um we ended up uh i kind of left things as it is i moved her into a different smaller school where she seemed to thrive which was really helpful but then we relocated from that country and we came back to the uk six years ago um and she had to go into year seven when she got here and it was just a tumultuous year for her and that's when the journey really started with me doing some delving. Mm. Um, and with Abby, it was um, about the fact that she couldn't pay attention. Um, she was really easily distracted. She was a daydreamer. Um, you'd find her staring out the window thinking about unicorns and fairies and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and then it was just the fact that she was just so easily distracted. So... I went looking for solutions, which I started off with a study skills course thinking, well, if I can just, because she couldn't remember anything either. So if I could just get her to retain the information, just hold on to it long enough so we can use it for a test, then we might have uh, a possible chance of success. But I couldn't mm -hmm. find anything that was suitable to her. 
So I stumbled across neurofeedback, which is our training protocol, but I also found an assessment that gave us insights as to her why. It told us that she was clearly inattentive. It gave us a percentage reading of what her attention looks like during what she classifies as a boring task. It told us how fast her brain would be processing information at that time, which is really quite key to learning. It told mm. us how impulsive she was, which is, does she make careless mistakes? Does she have attention to detail? Does she rush through her work? Or is, does she have a really methodical approach to what she does? Uh, and it definitely wasn't the latter. Um, but it told me fundamentally that on this assessment that she had auditory and visual processing challenges. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of when my light bulb went on. And I went, oh, now it all makes sense. She's actually got auditory visual processing challenges, which have an impact on the ability to learn and her ability to focus. And so once I had these answers, I had insights. Once I had the insights, I knew what to do about it. And so that was when I dragged her through my program, kicking and screaming, and because she's my daughter, obviously, because she doesn't want to do what she's told. And, um, you know, we had the assistance of some amazing tutors on the journey who understood what I was trying to relate to them about where Abby's status was. And we got GCSE success. And I think that's, that's basically the pivotal point. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think it's, and actually it's quite interesting that you started off with an ADHD diagnosis and actually found that the medication they threw at you was, wasn't beneficial because so often I think as parents and as educators, we're told, oh, it, they've got the ADHD and we just accept that when actually no one bothers digging any deeper other than the parents, of course. So that's quite interesting it started off it started off with a diagnosis yeah. which you could quite easily close the door on and say oh this is why yeah. but you didn't so that's great well I think it's just what we need to know or what we do know as parents is that our children are so incredibly clever they show us mm -hmm. this when there's something of interest and they get that hyper focus and and they just really adore a topic subject theme whatever they can tell you more things than the world has in its stock base with regards to information about that thing that really lights their life. But it's the other stuff that they're not reaching their potential with, which is the stuff we need them to reach their potential with. Maths, English, spelling, reading, yeah. comprehension. It's all those things. They can, I mean, Abby, could, she had a hyper-focus on dinosaurs. Dear Lord, you've got no idea how much information <laughs> this child has got about dinosaurs. But the point comes in, I needed her to pass GCSE maths. Yes. I needed her to pass GCSE English. And so the problem was, it's about not necessarily taking dinosaurs and moving it into maths and English. Mm. It's understanding where her complexities lie. And what actually we established was every short-term memory wasn't working properly. Her mm -hmm. working memory wasn't working properly. Her ability to focus. Our children don't know what focus looks and feels like. They don't know what it means to pay attention. So our training, what that has done, is shown that how to switch that off. Right. Okay. And, and so, is that? Yeah. Sorry. Is that a? Is it a person to person type training program, or is it yes. computer based? I'm, I'm not really sure. It's computer based, um, and basically, we've got a training centre that's got four computers, 
um, and we run two facilitators per two students. Okay. Uh, per, sorry, two, two facilitators per four students. Right. Okay. And do they follow the same program? Is it geared to the individual? How does that part work? Yeah. So basically what we've got is we have got um, a series of exercises, games, if you will, all okay. five minutes in duration. Each training session is 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they're all targeted specifically to a personalised profile of that child that we've gone through during the assessment process. So, for example, Abby, uh, she had auditory and visual program challenges. Uh, her ability to focus wasn't that great. I knew her auditory process wasn't working, her ability to listen to instructions, take on board that information, remember it effectively and execute it. So I tailored a, work, a working memory game. There was we, we give the children about six or seven games to do and or exercises and they work on those consistently until we see the proof. Okay, interesting. That's that's great because it's so personalised to them. Yeah. And their needs, isn't it? Which is yeah. fabulous. But I, I think the thing for me that's most important is there's many interventions that people can utilise. But the unfortunate thing is they're not sponsored by the NHS. So yes. change is possible. It absolutely is. I built a business around my daughter, but other people don't need to do that. And you know what? Your child is your pride and joy. Mm. Long and the short of it is, if you're, if you're investing in, the, in a tutor and you see that your child has got some challenges, you have to also invest in an intervention that's going to change their ability to learn on the basis that you're seeing struggles going on behind the scenes. And for me, I think the assessment process is probably phase one to get more insights and understanding about where your child's clear struggles and strengths are so that mm. once you understand that, you as the educators are in a better position to then know how to effectively work with that child. Yes, because essentially you're you're working with the underlying complexities rather than essentially teaching them the knowledge because you've got to solve those before you can apply the knowledge really, don't you? So it's Exactly. And and to put that into and to put that into context for you. Abby, when we did her first assessment, she told us that during a boring task, or what she classified as boring, she could only pay attention 44% of the time. Now, we need to remember about that. That was at age 11. If that was her reality, and we average that out because we obviously have no facts behind that about, but if we think about where she was from the age of six, perhaps when she started school, if 44% attention was her reality throughout her entire life and you were building a wall with 44 percent of the bricks on every layer yes how does your wall is it looking a bit wonky is it is it looking a bit weak around in a couple of areas and mm. so what we need to remember for abby maths was particularly difficult she's got dyscalculia so maths what we need to remember is if her reality was that she was struggling with maths from year one we've got and she's age 11 now we've got those five six years of school where we've got foundational information that's missing mm. Mm. and now instead of actually teaching her year 11 math or age 11 maths what we needed to do was i needed to get her tutor 
and please tell her to go back to the beginning and yes. start and, and go and cement those fundamentals in. Stop working on current year status because if it's not making sense, it's because there's a lot of information missing. Yeah. Absolutely. And we use that analogy a lot, actually, intuition is, yeah. you know, you can only build your wall so high without the cement to hold it yeah, together. Exactly. And, and, you know, and you've got to get to that underlying cause and, exactly. and reasons and fill them in. So fabulous. And what sort of do you typically see students on a daily basis that have already got a diagnosis or what sort of people might come to you? We've had a vast variety. We've got children of parents who are already refusing school. Uh, we've got children who parents think, mm, you know what, it could be better, but it's not great. We've got children who are clearly struggling. But I think the most important thing is obviously it depends on the parent and, and their investment and want to be involved in their child and then wanting to see the best for the, the you know, uh, development for their children. Because everybody's got different mindsets about it. But I think what we go back to is we did an assessment in a primary school uh, in October last year, which was quite disturbing in terms of the facts that it generated for us. We did assessments, our focus assessment specifically, we did that on 135 children to get a snapshot. Okay. And I say this in inverted commas, it's a nice suburban uh, school, uh, nice little Church of England primary, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, with fabulous teachers and, and you know, a, a good school that's got good Ofsted ratings. And we uh, did a focus assessment on, on the year five and year six group. Um, and we established that 90% of those children were un- unable to effectively pay attention in line with their age group. Wow. We also established that 90% of those children, their brains weren't working fast enough to be able to process the information they're being taught. Now, if that's a snapshot of what's happening in education at the moment, we're in an awful lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And the uh, outcomes of this report, I actually obviously sent on to government. And I got a very fabulously, very long email back saying, thank you very much. I hope you understand the... Um, effort and energy that we're putting into the national tutoring program it, the problem is it's the important cognitive skill set if i can't pay attention if i can't remember things if i can't process information then i'm never going to be able to effectively learn and our children don't know how to articulate that to us so what do they do they act out in class they fidget they run around their brains aren't working properly the neural pathways in the brain aren't working from point a to point b and it comes with learning complexity. And so we're really in, uh, in, from my opinion, for what I know about stuff and our, our data, education is in our trouble. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you guys are on the cliff, cliff face. That's, that's, you know, you guys are, deserve to be millionaires, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Chance would be a fine thing. I know, yeah, it would right? be lovely. Yeah, it would but be lovely. Honestly, it's, 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 it's really, really we're in a very precarious position with regards to um, how our children, how, yes, how we're educating them, but the state of their brains so that they're able to effectively learn at the minute. It's interesting how they came back to you about the uh, National Tutoring Programme. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just we're investing, oh, whatever, is it £50 per child into helping them catch up because we understand the effects that COVID has had. No, they don't understand it no. at all. 
they've no, no idea also you know I taught in schools seven years ago and though that data that you said that wouldn't surprise me at all of my class then let alone a class after COVID you know we have lots of students that have the effects of long COVID so what's that doing on their cognitive processing skills Absolutely. you know what's that doing on their attendance mm-hmm. so if they're only able to you know, like your daughter, you were saying, was it 44% of the time she said she could or 40% yeah. of the time? You know, if that's students that, you know, have long COVID, they can only, you know, attend a certain amount of time as well because they're struggling. So that's the time that they're in school. And yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, when I qualified as a teacher, I was very, very pro education system and all of that. That was many years ago now. And actually, it absolutely, we are in a severe decline you know i don't think the government really knows what they're talking about most of the time no which is you know we're pushing information onto our children but we i we can prove categorically that they're not cognitively in a position to be able to take that information on board to do what they need to do with it yeah exactly so it's not a conversation sorry alessia that's a conversation alessia and i have had my son's six and he basically missed all but nine weeks of reception but they pushed him into year one and was like oh you'll be fine um they're not you know actually those children have undergone straight unusual things in early life that none of us have ever kind of experienced before and as adults we found that traumatic and confusing Mm -hmm. so imagine what that's doing to a child in their first year of education exactly yeah it's Mm. difficult it is very difficult so what kind of practical tips then can you offer our listeners to maybe let's imagine we've got I'm going to take a name out of the hat Sandra and Sandra has noticed that her son is struggling he's in year nine it's you know it's getting a bit serious with his education now school is mentioning oh it's time to focus it's time to focus but she's noticed that actually he is starting to struggle so what would you kind of practical tips would you say as a parent and as you know the director of the focus academy it's really difficult because you know I think most people would then report it to the GP because the school may have said well you know he's really struggling to focus and you know we've watched this decline over the next couple of years but it's not really serious and and kind of you go well, okay is it serious enough for me to speak to the GP and try and sit in the CAMS wait line that's going to take me up to four years mm-hmm. yeah. what do I do and you know uh, and I, from my perspective um, I can't speak to the GPs because they won't talk to me because I'm a private business and I'm not NHS related and it's really quite frustrating. And um, essentially, we can help you find out why. I think the long and the short of it is there may be nothing going on. It really quite might be possible that your child has got nothing going on behind the scenes in terms of their cognitive profile everything's strong and everything's fine but maybe they are just slacking off a bit but in my opinion it's unlikely and the reason particularly is children wake up every morning and they wake up with a fresh new hat on and all they want to do that day is please you as the parent and please the people at school but for some reason there's a negative message or connotation that's affecting their self-esteem somewhere and it stops them achieving that greatness that they think they're capable of because that's the way society has built them because their brain's not working properly. I wasn't able to listen in class. There was a lot of fidgeting. There were mm-hmm. 30 guys around me. 
Um, there was a guy, a couple of boys at the back of the class making a fuss. I couldn't concentrate because I was easily distracted by them. You know, my, my, my first thought is always just consider doing an assessment. If you have the assessment, then you have answers. And if you have answers, it either gives you information that says, we've got a clear screen on this and just needs to put a bit more effort in, or you've got something that's actually saying there's actually something else that's a bit more sinister going on behind the scenes that we need to look at for him to achieve the greatness that he, we know he's so capable of. Yeah. You know, and I think especially bearing in mind the data that we have, that 90% of the children that we surveyed last year are in a whole heap of trouble. There's a mm. really high likelihood mm. that 90% affects everybody in school. So if your child isn't reaching their potential for whatever reason, you know how incredibly clever you are. They are. You're their parent. You know that. But if they're not achieving at school, there will be a reason for it. They don't do that by choice. No, exactly. And especially, I think, as a parent, you see you see that potential and you see that when they're at home with you and maybe you experience this with your daughter is actually their level of knowledge and their competency was probably quite phenomenal. But when you put them in the classroom setting, it suddenly goes out the window. Yeah. Um, that's something that kind of relates, I think, to a lot of parents. And that's what we hear time and time again as educators and tutors and they say, you know, well, they're great at home. They can, you know, when we were homeschooling, they were able to do it. But I put them back in school and the teachers are saying they're not concentrating. They're not this. They're not that. So, yeah, yeah. really valuable tool. Well, I think going back to that same research, we've also found that 30% of the children that we surveyed actually have auditory and visual processing challenges. Now, what that means is that I get really easily distracted by things I see and things I hear. Mm. But that also relates to queries around dyslexia, dyscalculia, working memory challenges. So I'm fine at home on -to one basis. I'm fine with a tutor on a one-to-one -one basis. Put me in a classroom of 30 children. My brain goes into overstimulation mode. And yeah. it could be a range of things that happens to that child. Or you've even got a child that comes home and they use every possible strategy in the book to just not sit down. Mum, I'm thirsty. Mum, can I go to the toilet? Mum, I'm hungry. Can I just do this before I do my homework? Mum, 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 can I do this? Mum, can I, you know, we'll do everything in order and we'll go sit in the toilet for an hour also just to sort of buy things. You know, the fact that I need to get this homework done. If you find that's happening, the delaying tactic, that procrastination, that's also a really big signal that there's something else going on. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So where can all of our listeners find you, Mandy? Well, I think the easiest thing is obviously to just go to our website, have a look around. Um, it's www.thefocusacademy.co.uk. Um, my email address is there. You can book some time to chat. Uh, time doesn't give me an email. We can make a plan. Uh, my phone number's available if you want to send me a WhatsApp or call me. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, a conversation is always free. Advice yeah. is always there and ready to be taken. I'm happy to share my journey, or my insights. You know, all I am is a mom who's been on a journey with her own daughter's struggles. Um, and we've done pretty well. And the world needs to understand that the brain is basically what's responsible. And having 
a diagnosis is not enough because your child mm. still has potential. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Something I kind of force home with my, with my, my child and my friend's children is every child has that potential. It just needs unlocked and it needs yeah. released. So, and unlocking fabulous. it won't come necessarily by, mm. you know, if I'm struggling with maths because I really struggle with that working memory, that mental ability to calculate that. We've got to fix the reason behind why that's difficult. Because once we've done that repair, things come so much easier. Yeah, 100% agree. Yes. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Mandy, for Thank your time. You. I'm sure oh, thanks for having us. We'll be absolutely on your website <laughs> because so many people can resonate with what you're saying in your journey as well. And I think lots of people will be thinking, hmm, let's just, let's just explore that. So, Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us. Lovely being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you've gained some valuable knowledge um, from our podcast and we hope to see you back here next time. Be sure to visit us on www.abctutoring.co.uk and also we are available on TikTok, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks very much.